Welcome back. This is the Confident Collective Podcast, and we are your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Christina. We are curb models, content creators, and some would even say comedians. We started the Confident Collective Podcast to help you live your most confident life by sharing our stories and sitting down with experts to talk about, well, life. We chat sex, dating, business, relationships, and so much more. We hope you love this episode, so let's get into it. Last week, I really jumped in and was like, I'm dating someone. I know. We really like <laughs> we got did. super passionate. No backstory, nothing. No, we were like having a conversation off camera and then we we're like, oh, let's just like roll it. <laughs> and so we just like jumped into this combo. Um, and I'm like, I really haven't given many updates. But besides, I went into January doing a January dating challenge. It's now mid-February, almost end of February, and I am still dating that same person. We're going to call him Mr. Jersey, okay? From Dirty Jersey in the house. Yeah, wait, are are you happy about that? (laughs) I mean, if he was from Canada, I would be happy for you. It doesn't matter. Um, But yeah, I love that. Yeah, so things are- Except actually, no, you know, he has some questionable things about Jersey. He said that Central Jersey doesn't exist. I know. I love how you have like Jersey beef. Beef. We have Jersey beef. Um, so anyway, I'll I'll share some more updates as things like come. But there is a Mr. Jersey in the picture. Um, but for now, I'll just leave it at things are going. We're dating and things are going well. Love that. We're dating each other, getting to know each other. Amazing. It's going well. So just to give you guys some more background onto last week's episode, but I was actually thinking, so I met some of his friends for the first time. Mm-hmm. Did, were you anxious, nervous going into it? Or you were just like, they're going to love me? I mean, a little bit of both. Yeah. I was like, oh, like, I feel like it's like I could go, I could meet most people and like, I, I'm good, fine. Yeah. And so I was like a little bit nervous, but it wasn't. Do you think that meeting the friends is a big deal? I think so. I mean, not like a huge deal where if you're meeting a guy's friends, like you should be freaking out over it. Mm-hmm. But I think that's like a, I think that's great that this person wants to welcome you into their circle and wants you to get to know the people that are, he's, yeah. they're close to and they're important to. Yeah. Why would you think? Well, I go back and forth because I used to be like, oh my God, yeah, meeting friends is such a big deal, like blah, blah, blah. But then I actually have like started wanting, like kind of, Hearing the other side of it, oh, you should introduce someone you're dating to your friends earlier on when it's like even more ca- casual just to like get their opinion on them. Because I think a lot of times you get really deep into a, something with someone mm-hmm. and then you introduce them to your friends. And if your friends are like, girl, what's going on? You're like mm-hmm. so deep in because when your friends See, and family don't like someone that you're dating, like, I mean, I went through this with my sister. I didn't talk to my sister for a year because yeah. I didn't like who she was with. And so I'm kind of like, I personally would want to hear my friend's opinions on this person before I'm like head over heels. I see both sides to it because one, I think like, right, you want obviously your friends and family to like love your partner, right? But your sister's situation was different because her partner was a fucking toxic asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Okay? So like true. this is different. Like I feel like other people, like a friend of ours, could be like very judgmental about certain things. So then you start yeah. getting certain people's opinions in your head when you're like happy with someone. Like they could be like comments on their appearance, on like their dressing, on like th- like it could be like little things where it's like you don't need that outside noise. Like you need to form your own opinion, you know? Like that's so funny because like earlier <laughs> or last year I was dating somebody and he came to like watch a basketball game with me and my girlfriends. He goes to the bathroom and my friend's like, what the fuck? He's wearing jorts. Oh. <laughs> and that literally like she was like, what the fuck are you doing? Okay. And it was all Is about the same friend. No, it was it's not okay, that friend. The same thing even... happened with the same with the friend I'm thinking of. You don't remember at the John Mayer concert? No. <laughs> Can I tell this story? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. First of all, Ray and I okay, I went to the John Mayer concert with my friend Mariana. We had this plan, blah, blah, blah. Last minute, Ray gets tickets to the same concert for her and the guy that she's dating. Yeah. Who you really like. I were liked, feeling. You I liked him feeling, a lot. He was the first date where I was like, I've never been on such yes. a good first date. We did karaoke. Like, yeah, if you're I was a long-time listener, you can you you remember. Know, you know. Okay, so she's feeling him. Like, you guys were like dating for a decent amount of time. Yeah. We go to this concert. First of all, we're all messed up. Mariana and I 
high on shrooms like crazy. We are floating, like having the best time of our lives. Like I literally felt John Mayer in my soul. Like yeah. I like my body was the guitar he was drumming. Okay. <laughs> like that's like it was just the best. So then we see Ray and this guy. I meet him for the first time. He's cool, good looking guy, whatever, nice guy. They are also seemingly messed up too. We walk out of the concert and we see another mutual friend of ours. She was so mean and so rude. She was like, Ray, what the fuck are you doing? No, she literally, like, he and is standing there. Face, pretty much. Yeah, to his face. He's, like, standing, like, across from me. And she's like, what are you doing? Like, what are you thinking? Yeah, like, she was not attracted to him and was pretty much. It was because he was, like, my height. I think she really was like, and maybe I got you. I thought he was sexy, okay, but like, right, but that's why, like, but you were happy with him, yes. Right? But yes. like her, she was so vocal about it, and it's like sometimes I don't think you need that noise. True, oh, I see both sides. I see both sides of it too. I see both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't. I also like the idea. It's like if you're dating someone, like. And you're vibing with them. Like, I don't think it needs to be like, a huge, big thing. Like, oh, my gosh, you're going to yeah. come meet my friends. You're going to come meet my family. Steve met my family on our third date, second date. Oh, really? Yeah. Wait, how do you meet your family? Um, he took my brother and I to Six Flags oh, on told- our third date. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. And when he came back, he, like, picked us up. And then so when he, like, dropped us off, he came in and met my parents. That's so sweet. So, like, it wasn't, like, a big deal. It wasn't, yeah. like, it's oh, my like- gosh, we need to have the boyfriend over for dinner and, like, interview him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's better just to be, like, casual. Like, yeah. Like, oh, like, my friends, like, this guy. Yeah, I think it's I think it's better to be casual. Yeah. But I do see both sides. Like, you don't want – I think you don't need to take in people's opinions that are, like, so drastic because they're yeah. wearing jorts or something. Or, like, superficial. Yes. So, anyway, that was my life to update. What's okay. going on with you? First of all, I have a question for you. This is so random. But – would you rather have someone that's really good at what they do, but not that reliable, or someone that's like, okay, but like always super timely? That's hard. Oh, would I rather have someone who's really, I honestly think I would rather have someone who's like timely because I can rely on them. Right. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, you, someone's really good at it, but like, are they going to show up? Right. Okay. So I have these cleaning ladies, they are amazing. They are amazing. The way they, like, clean our entire home, the way they dust every single inch of it, they are incredible. However, if you tell them to come, they say they're going to come at 11. It'll be 2.30, and you'll be like, where are you? And they'll be like, I'll be there in the next half hour. And I'm like, what the heck? And this has happened every single time. And, like, most, we work from home most of the time, right? So it hasn't been, like, that big of a deal. Right. But yesterday they were supposed to come at, like, 3. And I was like, that's, like, a little late because – they're there for a while. So I'm like, okay, the kids are going to go to bed and stuff soon. Like we're going to be cooking dinner. Like I'm not having someone like mop under our feet. Do you know what I yeah. mean? But they do such good work. I'm obsessed with them. So finally, like it was like 4.30 and I'm like, where are they? I was like, hey, it's too late at this point. And they're like, no worries. That's like, when can you come this week? And they're like, we can be there at 2.30 tomorrow. I didn't ask Steve yet, but guaranteed they have not shown up. Mm. And it's, so maybe it's like the, it's just one of those friends who you like if you know you're going to you need to just know that they're going to show up late. Like exactly. I have friends where I'm like, OK, if I ask Shannon to hang out, we're meeting at noon. This bitch will be there at 130. Right. Right. And that's just kind of like, OK, you have to kind of adjust for that. So, yes, I guess it depends if they're really good and you want to just be like, OK, I know if I say two, it's only really a three. Like and just kind of plan for that. That's, that's kind of what I've been doing. Yeah. But it's like actually kind of get, gotten to the point where I'm like. This is ridiculous. Like, we, the, our uh, real estate agent recommended them through a friend, and they came to do our, like, deep cleaning before we moved into the house. And they were supposed to come at, like, 2 o'clock again. And we don't—we did not have lights in the house at this point. Like, we had, like, some light, but most of the house does not have, like, ceiling light. Overhead light, light yeah. Overhead light. It's 6 o'clock. They come. They're in there cl- trying to clean with flashlights. I'm like, you guys need to come back tomorrow morning. And they're like, okay. Like, they're, they're like, really okay, good. fine, fine. Honestly, I admire that they're ready. They're like, I've got my flashlight out. No, We're ready. I love them. I love them, which is why I put up with this. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's just random. I've been thinking a lot about it. Yeah. Okay, I need to recap you on my Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. How was the Super Bowl party? So much fun. Ooh. Okay. The neighbors were throwing. You- <gasps> okay, yeah, sorry. Continue. Okay. First of all, I have never seen so many kids in my entire life. How many kids were there? So many. No, <laughs> so many. So many. And there are so many boys. And my kids are like the youngest. There's like one or two like other kids that are around their age. Okay. Actually, maybe a little bit more. But a lot of the kids were older boys. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these boys are crazy. But it was like such fun energy. And I was like, I just freaking love this. Like these people are in the exact same life stage as me. Yeah. 
Everyone on this block is so freaking cool. They all go on family vacations, five families deep, going skiing together. I'm like, this is exactly what I need in my life. Yeah. And they chose to invite me. I'm like, there's other young families in our neighborhood, but not all of them made the cut. Oh, shit. Uh, Okay. And wait, people love our block so much that this one family moved there and they bought like a small starter home and they're like, okay, whatever. It's like a couple years old home and then we'll move. Ended up loving the neighborhood so much that they knocked a house down and built a new house because they didn't want to leave the block. Dude, you're going to become the spokeswoman of your block because you <laughs> have, do you know, since you moved into this neighborhood, you have spoken about your block and your street every single episode. And it keeps getting better and better. <laughs> I keep getting invited to more and more things, meeting more and more people. I'm like, I literally feel like the luckiest person. Like, I honestly feel yeah. like the universe was like really made this happen for be us. Like you made, this is like reaffirming that you made the right decision. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So it was really fun. Like I said, Nicholas was one of the youngest kids there. And at first I was like really worried because all the other kids were older. And then he's like just holding his own, playing, doing his own thing. Yeah. Something I love about him is that he like, if he wants to play by himself, he plays by himself. He does not care what other kids are doing. Oh, I love that. And I love that. I love that. But then towards the end, I'm like, where'd he go? He's in the living room. And all of a sudden he's on the table dancing with the other kids. <laughs> During the halftime show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was the funniest thing ever. Like, all these kids were just living, living. And I was like, this is our future. I'm like, I am scared for, like, high school kids, you know? Your house is going to be bumping. It's going to be bumping. Yeah. So, anyways, what did you think of Travis Kelsey, like, yelling at his coach and also, like, the internet's feedback on it? Travis, I mean, I was more disturbed by the Vegas chant. Like, I was kind of like, oh, kind of give me the ick a little bit. Oh, I didn't see the Vegas chant. Viva <laughs> Las Vegas. No, I was Three at the guacamole. Times. I was at the guacamole. But I will say, I kind of got the ick from him, too. Like, the outfit that he wore walking in. The, the glitter? Yeah, yeah, like, that that suit. Like, the, was it glittery? It looked like reptile almost to me. Oh. And I just don't like him with his beard. I will say I am not liking the beard. Yeah. I think Travis Kelsey Like, the is, mustache was fucking hot. The no, beard's not doing it for the me. The beard is too much. Mm-hmm. I kind of agree. I think yeah. someone needs to tell him that he needs to shave that. Taylor. Taylor. But yeah. Maybe she's into it. They're getting freaky with the beard. Maybe. Maybe. We're getting freaky. My um, mind just went to so many different places, like, very vividly. <laughs> Um, yeah, that kind of gave me the ick more. But I just love how people were, like, so ready to be, like, so mad. And I'm like, dude, like, you have no idea what's going on in his mind in that moment, you know? No. I mean, it didn't, like, I was it didn't change my opinion on him or anything. But and he needs to shave his beard. That's it. I do think it's interesting how now him and Taylor are going to be more in the public eye or have been more in the public eye, how people's opinions on them are going to change. Totally. Because even after the Grammys, people were, like, coming for Taylor, you know? Yeah, people are always coming for Taylor. You either like die hard for her or you come for her. I feel like that's yeah what seems to happen. But I thought I saw some more. I felt like I was seeing more coming for her. And mm. I usually am just on the whole gay Taylor train. Um, I have to tell you what I binge watched all weekend. What? The Traitors. Wait, which season? Season two. Have you seen it? Okay, no, but I'm it's Christian from season one. We met in Rome. Oh, that's right. Right after he had filmed the Wait, first season. Was he was he on, on the, another reality show before? I don't know. I don't know. But he was in Rome right after he had filmed season one of Traitors. And we went out, we met in Rome and ended up going on like a night out together. Right. And we've like stayed in touch because we lived in LA. Yada, yada. Yeah. S- sweet guy. But he was on the season one of Traitors. So I've been meaning to watch it. But everyone's been telling me like obsessed with Traitors, but they always start with season two. Season two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why that is. I wonder if it's just because season two is on right now and is just really popular. Yeah. But I do wonder now that you said that if season one wasn't reality stars because on season two it's all reality stars oh see oh it's all reality stars yeah season one it was a mix of normal people reality stars it was like a mix of people maybe that's why people are more invested into season two as well because they're all familiar with these faces from other shows like um peter weber's on there from the bachelor okay um dan from uh, and janelle from big brother a bunch of housewives Mm. it is so good Okay, I need to watch it. Uh, and, oh, people from the challenge, like oh my gosh, I people from Love Island, Bling <gasps> Ring. Oh shit! I freaking Ekin Sue was on it. Ekin Sue was on it. She's on it. She's on it. Okay, I'm watching it. Yes, she's really it. cute. You have to watch it. It is so good. The competition is next level. Okay. The way people like play the game, 
it's just like a mind game and a social game and a comp- and a physical game. It's just the perfect reality competition show. I freaking love it. It also takes place in Scotland in this gorgeous castle. Yeah. The host is amazing. I cannot say enough good things. Like, I text one of my friends. I was like, you need to start this right now. Okay, I'm going to watch it over the next weekend so we can have it. We can discuss it next week. Oh, my gosh. Perfect. Because you'll just, like, get up and you'll end up be, like, current with it. Okay. And this this is not like when I say I'm going to watch Real Housewives. I know. Like, you're this actually one's going to watch it. You promise? This one's Pinky? real. It's on Peacock. Do you Pinks. have Peacock? Yeah. I got okay. It. Uh, yeah, because Love Island All-Stars is on Peacock. Perfect. So I got Perfect. It. So I've been obsessed with that. And then you know who my other internet obsession is okay who do you know who nara smith is of course i do i love her dude she's I, fucking making homemade mozzarella ho- who makes homemade fucking no, cheese it's insane homemade mozzarella that blew did you see mind. her with lasagna yes, yes. i could not believe it if you don't know who she is she is the most stunningly gorgeous woman in the entire world married to male Ooh. supermodel lucky blue smith yes They have the most gorgeous kids together, and she is like a modern-day Martha Stewart. She just, like, loves cooking for her family, and she— But it's not, like, cooking. It's, like— She's making mozzarella from scratch. She's, like, I'm going to make homemade lasagna. And literally, Mm, she makes the mozzarella. mozzarella. (laughs) I'm, like, surprised, like, she didn't get the meat from the cow herself, honestly. No, it's crazy. She makes the pasta from scratch, and just, like, the way she narrates everything, and it's so visually stunning. Yeah. I could watch her all day long. Gorgeous. Her outfits, well, and she's like pregnant, and she's oh. doing. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, girl, she is. I'm like, wow, she's uh, pregnant, making these like, elaborate recipes, and she's just like so calming. I'm like, we're very opposite people, and I, I'm very drawn to her. <laughs> I'm so maybe that's why I'm so drawn to her. And did you see that shopping video with her husband? No, I didn't see that one. She was like, my husband says that I really don't take that much care of myself, so today he's going to take me shopping so I can get whatever I want. So, sorry, I'm trying to do her voice. <laughs> I know, I noticed. Um, so they went to the Apple store, and she got, like, a MacBook and then, like, an iPad case. And then she went and got a Bottega bag, and then she went and got a Louis Vuitton duffel. And then she went to, like, some other stores in between that as well, too. Like, just casual, like, picking up all these things. She's living my dream life. Literally, the dream life. That's what I'm saying. I wish I, but I just know it's like I could never be her. Because I, I just be feel like it's just so the opposite of me. And it's what's so crazy is that she just makes everything look so effortless, yeah. so easy. Like, it's crazy. I would love to know what it's like behind the scenes. Yeah. Like, are, are her and her husband fighting? Is he like, you didn't ring out the mozzarella well enough? <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, you know what? I actually, I know people like hate on their names, like their kids' names. What are and, their kids' names? Oh, I can't even, I don't even remember. They're crazy. But... I actually added Lucky to my baby name list. Oh. I love the name Lucky for a boy. I think it's so cool. God, I was obsessed with this Lucky character on General Hospital growing up. Oh Have my you ever seen God. soap operas? Wait, no, but my mom used to watch General Hospital. Oh, my gosh. My mom would be like, you girls better get outside right now. Stop watching soap operas. Like, oh, all summer sh- long, we'd go to the, the public pool like the pool club that we belong to. And we'd be like, we have to be home by 1230 to watch One Life to Live at one o'clock. Because like my grandmother watched them and then we started and they're addicting. Wow. No, I haven't been on it. But also as I continue talking about this, so rest in peace, my grandmother, she ended up having like terrible dementia and Alzheimer's, but she was always making up these crazy stories at the end. And I swear it's from watching all those years of soap operas. Probably. They were like burned in her brain. Well, I love those obsessions. For me, mine's also TikTok. I saw this girl post, like, if you're 30 and, like, starting over, like, stitch this video. And I'll try and find it and link it in the show notes. Because, I don't know, recently, I feel like I'm having, like, a midlife crisis. I am, like... Really? Yes. I don't know. Like, I just feel like I've been in this career for a long time. I'm, like, Mm. I don't even know. Like, some days I'm, like, oh, yeah, I want to share. Other days I'm, like, I don't want to share anything. Yeah. And I feel like... I'm very, I feel very lost. Mm -hmm. And I was watching these TikToks of people, like one girl stitched it and she was like, yeah, I was working. I think she was a lawyer or something. And now she's in the South of France taking, going to culinary school. I'm like, we can literally do almost anything that we want. Like you could quit your job and do something. Like obviously, yes, there are logistics, but like you really can do like, we are just free people, and we can do things. And I just feel like it was really refreshing to hear all these women, like, stitching with their story and being like, 
at 30, I like completely changed my life because mm-hmm. I've just been struggling with like, and I've talked about this before of your 30, people are always like, you feel more confident. You're more sure of yourself. And I just have been feeling the opposite mm-hmm. and I feel more lost. And so it was really refreshing to hear all of these women share their story of basically being like, I completely changed my life at 30 years old. I love that. It's interesting because, well, I feel like I've been lost for the past three years between like two pregnancies and like postpartum. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm like like, literally exactly what you said. So then I'm like, do we just put way too much pressure on like feeling like we have to have like a plan and a purpose always? Like, why don't, why can't we just enjoy this like time of being like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm going to try and enjoy it. Like, I think we just put so much pressure on ourselves to be like, this is my path. This is my purpose. I know. I think I agree with that. But it's hard. And then I also like feel like there's that pressure to be like, to have this like huge purpose and to do yes. and to move to the south of France. And it's like if you're not doing something epic huge. like that, you're kind of failing and your life is boring. Yeah. But honestly, like I was thinking about this earlier because we were I was talking about romanticizing your life, right? Yeah. And I was shooting a, a segment for the Drew Barrymore show. And we we're talking about romanticizing your life. And I was like, okay, like literally, even if you're just a suburban mom, housewife, going to Costco to get groceries, like freaking like you are shopping for the family that you've always, always wanted. Of, yeah. You know what I mean? Like we take so many things for granted that it's like if you're not freaking traveling to the south of France or like president of whatever like corporate career you have. <laughs> mayor, I don't mayor of your town. <laughs> mayor of your town. Like and you are just shopping for your family and cooking dinner for your family. That's amazing too. Like. Yeah. I think it's just, I think it's honestly just comparison through social media. It really is. And it's exhausting. It makes no one feel good enough. Yeah. But I will say I did see this other TikTok from this girl who said she's quitting being an influencer. Really? Yeah. And it was interesting. Will you send it to me? Yeah, I will. It was really interesting to hear her perspective. And she was like, this is not what life is meant to be. She's like, I have been a full-time influencer for three years now. I'm so grateful for this career. It has given me so many opportunities. I've I know I make way more doing this than I will at other careers. However, this is not normal for every single thing to do, every single thing you do to be about you. All day long, I'm looking at myself, talking about myself, recording myself, and it's like I can't even enjoy my life because I'm documenting every single part of my life that it's like nothing is for me. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I'll send it to you, but it was an interesting perspective. So she's like, I want to keep these platforms, but I'm applying for jobs. I don't want to be an influencer anymore. Wow, interesting. Well, looks like we're all kind of in a quarter-life crisis, so perfect. Glad I'm not alone. <laughs> but let's get into today's episode. This is our third episode in the month of love. Yes. And today we are going to be talking about attachment styles. So we have on Dr. Morgan, who is a relationship coach and attachment theory expert. And she's also the creator of the ESL Relationship Method. And her whole goal is to help women raise their self-worth and attract healthy and secure relationships. Dr. Morgan was so thoughtful and thorough. And I feel like we really dissected the four different attachment styles. And no matter what style you are, whether you're single or in a relationship, I think you will find this episode super helpful and insightful. Yeah, let's get into it. Welcome, Dr. Morgan, to the podcast. How are you? I am doing well. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited to have you. We did a episode on attachment styles a few years ago when we first started the podcast. And Christine and I thought we had the knowledge to share on this topic and we do not so we're so glad that you're finally here to talk to us about it oh my gosh it's my pleasure we're gonna get into all the things today and we both did your quiz online so i'm excited to like go through our questions and then kind of discuss what attachment styles we are as well okay so before we kick things off well i guess to kick things off we need to discuss what the different attachment styles are Yes, there are four attachment styles. And I want to preface this by saying that I hope that as you learn what your attachment style is, that you have so much compassion for yourself and you're not judging yourself. Remember, this is a tool. When we understand ourselves better, then we can grow and heal and change. So just seeing it that way. uh, But yes, the four styles are secure attachment, anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, and disorganized attachment. And I'm happy to go into each one if we want to break down each style. I think we should break them down a little bit. Yeah, let's break them down. So 
With anxious attachment style, this is where you need a lot of reassurance. And no matter how much reassurance you get, you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. So this might look like you catastrophizing, predicting the relationship's going to end. There's a lot of fear of abandonment. And with this style, you're actually susceptible to develop codependency in your relationships where you're trying to merge with your partner. And um, there's there's just a lot of that fear of abandonment. I want to become whoever you want me to be so that you won't leave me. Oh, interesting. So for the girl, so like if you have that friend in your life who all of a sudden like kind of has dropped all of her hobbies and is now like obsessed with everything her boyfriend does and like does all of his hobbies, she's more of an anxious attachment style. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Would also, and I, I would say... Oh, I'm sorry. Would also being like looking through their phone, feeling like that, like that's kind of anxious. Okay. Well, I was anxious in the past. A hundred percent. That's like, I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> that was me. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. This can look like when you don't hear from them, maybe you're sending those 12 text messages, right? And you're just kind of thinking, oh my gosh, I haven't heard from them. Maybe they found somebody else. There's just a lot of that anxious behavior and and reaching out a lot and assuming the worst, assuming the worst about what your partner is, is doing. Okay, wait, I have a question. Can these attachment styles also be put on to like friendships and like other relationships? Because for me, I get like that sometimes when it comes to friends. Like if I text a friend a bunch of times and they haven't answered, I'm like, oh my gosh, like they hate me. What did I do wrong? But I'm so not like that in my romantic relationship. Yeah. Attachment styles apply everywhere. Absolutely. In friendships, in your work life, in family relationships, it is it is applicable to all of your relationships. Interesting. Okay. So that was anxious. What about avoidant? With avoidant attachment, this is the opposite of anxious in a lot of ways. You have fear of intimacy. So the avoidantly attached person, maybe you go on a date with them, things go really, really well. And then you don't hear from them for a week. What happens is it went really well. You were getting closer. And then that brings up a lot of fear. So this person is distancing a lot. They're pulling away. And they're using hyper-independence as a coping skill. So instead of codependence, they're going to be someone who's going to really have a hard time depending on other people, getting close to other people. And they become hyper-independent. And one piece I thought you all might be interested in is we're seeing a lot more women with avoidant attachment. And I really have correlated this with more and more women prioritizing their careers. I think a lot of us growing up, we're taught, oh, you don't need a man, take care of yourself, be misindependent. So there's actually now just a huge amount of women who are avoidantly attached, whereas in the past it was more men. That is so interesting. And I feel like I really identify with that because like I've been single for five years and like I notice and I've talked to other friends. We did another episode um, with a friend of ours who has a podcast called I Might Die Alone. And she talked about this too, like how we went the opposite direction where it's like I felt like those walls come up and I'm like, no, I'm doing everything on my own. Like asking for help for me is like a huge like it's very difficult for me to do and difficult for me to let people in now because I've almost swung in the opposite direction and became exactly what you just described, that hyper, super independent, mm -hmm. doesn't need a relationship, all of that. And I feel like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all that more women are like that. Definitely. And kind of like what we were talking about last week, how I was saying that growing up, I always kind of just assumed that guys weren't liking me, but now reflecting upon my past. I was like, no, like there was that interest there, but I was like rejecting anyone because I was so scared. And I was kind of trying to avoid any relationship. Ooh, I, I can't wait to get to both of your attachment styles. I want to I want to know these quiz results. Like, get into it. I know. Okay. So we did anxious and avoidant. What was the third one? Yeah. So then we have disorganized attachment. This is also known as fearful avoidant. This is about 5% of the population and it's highly correlated with childhood trauma. And this is just a super fun combination. I'm being sarcastic. It's not fun at all. It's a combination <laughs> of anxious and avoidant at the same time. So you're kind of pendulum swinging 
between anxious strategies and avoidance strategies. So this looks like taking two steps forward in the relationship, two steps back. There's fear of abandonment, but then there's also fear of getting too close. If you've ever dated someone like this, it's very confusing. Or if you yourself identify with this, you will find relationships to be exhausting. This is a really painful attachment style. And I I do happen to work with a lot of people who have disorganized attachment because they're so motivated to change it. Dang, that sounds... (laughs) I'm like, it sounds chaotic. It, yeah, sounds, exactly. it sounds chaotic, it but is. also at the same time, every time you're describing one, I'm like, is that me? Is that me? I'm like, okay, <laughs> let me just slow down. Let me slow down. Okay. And then secure is the one we all want to be. Secure. What does that look like? Yes. I love talking about secure attachment. I feel like we don't talk about it enough. So secure attachment is where you are able to show up as yourself in relationships. You have high self-worth and you also value your partner You're able to set boundaries, communicate clearly, and you have something that's called interdependence. So not codependence, not hyper-independence, interdependence, where you can depend on yourself and you can also depend on your partner. So this is just the most peaceful place where we all want to be. Secure is not perfect. I always have to say that. There can always be conflict or things that come up in relationships But with secure attachment, you're able to navigate conflict in a really healthy way and grow through the conflict and become stronger through it. So, yeah, that's that's where we all want to be. So is it possible, like, I guess for someone who's not in a secure attachment style, how the heck do you get start moving to try and get to a secure attachment style? Because that's like the the main goal, right? That is what I have dedicated my life and work and research to. So I've you know, spent the last decade on that question. So I have, I have so much I can say. One of the first things, though, which is exactly what we're doing here in this podcast, is becoming aware of what your current attachment style is. Just like anything we want to change, we have to start with awareness. So learning your current attachment style, and then I really help my clients understand how their attachment style developed. So going deeper on the awareness and looking at your relationship history so we can have that compassion and understanding for why you are the way that you are. Interesting. And is most like, so I know you said with disorganized attachment, that really stems from childhood trauma. Like, are all of the attachment styles, do those form for us when we're kids or can they happen later in life? You have the juiciest questions. I'm loving this. <laughs> so this was a question in, in attachment theory research for a long time. And early on in the research, they actually said that, oh, no, it forms in childhood. And once it's formed in childhood, that's it. That's your attachment style for life. However, now we have a ton of data to back up that your attachment style is impacted by your early romantic relationships and even by your relationship experiences in your adult life. Mm -hmm. So as you described, noticing kind of your attachment style shift, that could have been from five, five years ago, whatever happened, right, in your adult relationship experiences. So there's so much data now that says it's way more than just childhood. I think that makes so much sense because you were with someone who is making you feel anxious in your relationship. So naturally, that's going to become your attachment style, right? Right. So then I guess it's like, so for someone like Ray, who maybe had more of an anxious attachment style, as she's like looking to enter into new relationships, how does she become and teach herself to become more secure in those relationships without constantly thinking about her past relationships and what went wrong there? Absolutely. And one of the one of the best things we do is we start with awareness And then I would really want to get clear on what your current beliefs are, beliefs about yourself. And even more fascinating here is your beliefs about relationships. So what do you believe to be true about relationships based on your past experience? And then I would want to help you release everything that's unhelpful, right? So let go of that. We need a blank slate and then get clear on what are the relationship beliefs that are going to serve you and help you. So this whole part is rewiring your brain with a healthy relationship belief system. And then from there, I would want to help you learn how to become the securely attached version of you. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot that goes into that. 
being able to embody the behaviors, the ways of being, communication, really becoming that securely attached version of you. And then I would also want to work on your dating mindset and helping you get really clear on who who do you want? What's your ideal partner like? How do you want to feel in your ideal relationship and getting clear on those emotions? So that's kind of an overview of, of what I would want to do. Interesting. When I was taking your quiz, it was actually even hard for me to like answer the questions because I feel like I would have answered them. So essentially, I was in a long-term relationship for almost 10 years. And I know I was like anxiously attached. But now it was like, I don't, I didn't want to answer the questions from that mindset because I feel like I'm so far out of that mindset, right? But I haven't been in another relationship to like see where I'm at now. So that's why I was like, I don't even like, I, I did the quiz, but I was like, I don't even know if this is like, would be an accurate representation because I just feel so far <laughs> removed from relationships, honestly. Like I haven't been that close to someone since that relationship that I'm like, I don't know how I would be actually. So it, it was just interesting. Mm-hmm. Also, not to make this about reality TV, but I just, I have to talk about some of these relationships that I'm thinking about right now in my mind. So I, have you ever watched Vanderpump Rules? Of course. Oh, you know, I was all over the scandal. I had to watch it for sure. <laughs> okay. So in the earlier seasons, there were some really toxic couples where they always were constantly cheating on themselves. I mean, on each other. Wait, I was like, <laughs> they're constantly cheating on each other. And for instance, like one uh, character, Stassi, every single boyfriend she had had cheated on her. So now she was in a new relationship and it was like seemingly going really, really well. And she literally could not stop almost like assuming he was going to cheat on her because of her past relationships. And then there were other relationships, Kristen and Tom Sandoval, like back in the day, where Kristen was so anxious about him having cheated on her that it almost like in a way seemed like he she like manifested him cheating on her in the future. Does that do you, does that make sense? Can you be so anxious that you're almost like manifesting your partner to do what you're worried about? Ooh, Ooh. what a good question. This is this is so deep. So there's a lot of factors there, right? I think as especially as as like a highly sensitive person or if you're very attuned with people, you can have a felt sense when someone is not fully invested or when someone's not fully emotionally available for you. So there's some of that anxious attachment where you you might be simply feeling into that this person is not fully invested. I'll, I tell people that even the most securely attached people, if you get them in a relationship with someone who is uh, emotionally unavailable or who is a cheater or who's not going to treat them well, they will become anxiously attached mm. because that's the kind of partner that they're with, right? So I really think there's that element And then the other piece is, yes, with anxious attachment, you can self-sabotage. You can, you can predict what's going to happen. And, and when you show up that way and you're constantly needing reassurance and you constantly have the anxious attachment, there is something about that that impacts your partner's behavior, right? You have these expectations, you have these beliefs about your partner, and that can even unconsciously impact their behavior. Now, am I saying that it's okay or that you're causing them to do that? Absolutely not. Uh, But certainly it, it can be a factor. And are there, do you see commonalities like avoidant usually attracts anxious. I think I looked, saw that somewhere once when I thought I was an expert on this. <laughs> so, you know, I just want to fact check here and see, are there certain attachment styles that are attracted to each other? If you take an anxiously attached person and put them in a room with 99 secure people and one avoidantly attached person, they will gravitate like a magnet to the avoidantly attached person. chills. Really? really? That's really what's like, can you go a little bit more into why that is? Yes. So with with anxious attachment, right, you have this template for love and you have these beliefs about what a relationship is and you think, oh, I have to work hard for love. People might abandon me. I might be too much for people. So the avoidantly attached partner fits your beliefs about love. There's that element. And then there's the 
biology of it as well. You know, I was talking about we can we can feel when people are attuned to us. So it's a felt sense, right? If I'm I'm maybe attracted to the avoidantly attached person, maybe they're the charmer and they're this big personality and you know, I can I can almost feel like they don't really have emotional capacity for me. And that's what I'm attracted to. That's my norm. That fits my template. So it's it can be a biological component as well. Okay. So we really need to break the cycle. Like those who are anxious, like you need to break it because otherwise I feel like you're just going to continue going down this spiral of unsuccessful, unhappy relationships because that's what you're attracting based on your attachment style. Am I making it seem more yeah, dramatic? Also than it something- is? I feel very dramatic. Like it feels. <laughs> I, I, that's like the scary because I feel like that's just like a constant spiral of like you wanting and wanting and then chasing someone who's not able to give you what you need or want. It's absolutely true. It's it's so true. And I, I talk about this um, in another way as well, which is called repetition compulsion. So it's two words. You're repeating the same type of relationship dynamics for all the girls out there who feel like you're dating the same guy over and over, just different haircut, right? It's like same dynamics over and over. And then the compulsion is that you're not even doing it consciously. It's just an unconscious compulsion of repeating this dynamic over and over. And another element besides attachment styles is something that Freud actually talked about, which is we have unfinished business from childhood. So we have wounds or maybe even our early romantic relationships. And we're looking to get a different result in our current relationships. So by repeating the same dynamic over and over, unconsciously the brain goes, oh, if I just get a different result this time, it'll make up for everything that happened before. So for example, right, like if I was a young girl and I had an emotionally unavailable father who wasn't present, I'm going to seek out emotionally unavailable partners and unconsciously I'm hoping for a different result this time, that this time I can be good enough and I can be loved. And somehow that's supposed to make up for what I experienced in my childhood. Okay. And why is that so natural for people to do versus, okay, I had an emotionally unavailable father. So I know that's not the type of partner I want. So I'm going to seek out someone who is emotionally available. I think it comes down to the fact that we have so much of our brain that is unconscious. It's right. certainly not intentional. You know, we're not walking around going, oh, I want to date someone just like my dad or that makes me feel <laughs> exactly like my dad did, right? It's this unconscious working of our brain that we're, we're simply just drawn to it. We're drawn to what's familiar. And then that piece about, oh, if I can get a different result, then I'll show that I'm good enough. So for the women that are dating and they're like, okay, I am going after the same guy, different haircut, like you said, and they want to make a change. What are some of those like initial questions or things that you tell them that they need to look into in order to start attracting a emotionally available and secure partner? First off, if they haven't already, I would say let's take a dating pause I don't know about you, but when I was in my more toxic era of just constantly dating, uh, I was, I always had a new relationship really quickly. And that was a great way to distract myself from my own healing. So if you're in that place where you're just dating and dating and dating, I I want you to take a pause. And then the next thing is really becoming aware of your relationship patterns. I'm going to give your audience something I do with my clients. This is an exercise called the relationship inventory. Really, really powerful. So what it is, is you get out your journal and I would want you to write down your significant relationships. So significant would be anyone where you know it had an impact on you, um, certainly your your caregivers, right? Your parents, and then any any romantic relationship or even friendship that was significant, that had an impact. And then I'm going to ask you to answer some questions for each relationship. So I would want you to answer, did I feel loved? Did I feel safe emotionally, physically? Was I able to express my needs, right? And if you want to get super nerdy, 
I would ask you to think about what was the attachment dynamic as well. So what was your attachment style? What was theirs? And I want you to do that for every relationship. And let's look at the patterns. Let's start looking at the patterns. And then that is going to really help you with self-compassion so that we can really let go of your past and start moving forward. I love that. I think that's such a good exercise. And really quickly, for the since so many women have avoidant attachment style, do you have like any tips for them to become, I guess, a little bit more secure or a little bit less or a little bit more vulnerable, maybe even? I love this question. So yes, avoidant attachment, once again, comes from fear of intimacy. One of the best things you can do is really work on getting comfortable with yourself. So becoming vulnerable with yourself first, deeply connecting to maybe things you're struggling with, creating a journal practice and working on that self-compassion with yourself. And then the other thing I'd want you to practice doing is getting really comfortable with receiving, whether it's receiving a compliment or receiving help from a friend. I want you to just really open yourself up to, it's okay for me to be close. It's okay for me to receive, right? It's, it's emotionally safe for me to be close to people. I, I would just really want you to practice that. I need to do that. Yeah. Is it common for people to be like, because as you're saying something about anxious, I'm like, oh, yes. And then you're saying something about avoidant. I'm like, oh, yes. Does that mean I probably have disorganized attachment? Or is that just like, <laughs> or can you just identify with more than one? So you can definitely identify with more than one. And I always tell people your attachment style is kind of like having a tool, a toolkit. And you've got one that you use most of the time. So, you okay. know, maybe it's your hammer. I don't know tools well enough to, to make this a great metaphor. <laughs> There's a wrench, um, then screwdriver. <laughs> screwdriver. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then you got your screwdriver and maybe that's one that you use like 10% of the time. So anyways, yes, you can have different attachment strategies here. Okay. This is a little bit complex and honestly, I don't want too many people self-diagnosing, um, but to know that you have a disorganized attachment style you would pendulum swing between anxious and avoidant pretty rapidly. So mm-hmm. it's like one moment you're doing this, the next moment you're doing this. So it's it's very much a roller coaster. When they okay. looked at this with kids, it was like a kid that wanted his mom and then would also push her away at the same time. Like that's how we we think about it. It's like in the moment you're using both strategies. Okay, so when you did the quiz, what did you get, Ray? Well, like I said earlier, it was harder for me to do the quiz because I was like, do I answer based on this past relationship that was from five years ago or do I answer now based on what I think I would be like in a relationship? And so I kind of did like more the latter and I had, I think it was, I wish I would have taken a screenshot. It was like 46% secure and then divided between anxious and avoidant for the other two. What was yours? I have 43 secure, 43 avoidant, and 14 anxious. Interesting. I love this. You know you know what I love about it is that both of you have a large percentage of secure, which is great. So you already know what it can feel like to hang out as a securely attached person. And then it's all about how do I catch myself when I'm in one of the insecure styles. And then I want to learn how to self-regulate, give myself self-compassion, and realign myself with a secure style. That's great advice. And one thing, Dr. Morgan, I want to ask you about is codependency. Because when you said that earlier, I was like, oh, I feel like a lot of people can fall into that. Can you tell us like a little bit more about what that is? Because I don't really know. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of people can fall into codependency. And I I think it's it's not talked about enough. So with codependency, it's really this desire to merge. I know that sounds kind of weird, but you're you're thinking that if I become like this other person, or if I can even meet all of their needs, then I will not be abandoned, right? So it's really that self-abandonment of I'm letting go of my own identity and I am becoming whoever I think they want me to be. And oftentimes that that means a lot like that person. And mm. what ends up happening is this will work for a while. This is those couples, oh my gosh, where you see them dressing very similar. They're doing all the same things together. They're, they're together 24-7, right? And maybe it looks like a honeymoon stage for a while. 
However, eventually with codependence, resentment builds because we don't have our own identity. So resentment will build eventually. And then on top of that, all of the desire fades from the relationship. There's no more passion. There's no more desire because desire needs a bridge to cross. That's an Esther Perel quote. If we're too enmeshed or too confluent is another term with our partner, there's no room for desire to be there. So anyways, it we see some people who it works for a short period of time, but it is never a sustainable, healthy strategy. So if you're like in the early stages of dating and you're like, or or maybe you're in a relationship and you feel like you struggle with codependency, what are some practices that you can do? Is it making sure you have like your alone time or like what are some key practices people could do to not fall into codependency? I love that you asked this question. So this this would fall under relationship pacing. So I always help my clients get really good at pacing their emotional investment in the relationship. We want to make sure that we're investing slowly. With secure attachment, it takes time to build. So one of the best things you can do is holding on to your routine, remembering that boundaries are hot. If you go to yoga with your girlfriends on Thursday, then keep doing that. I, I don't want you throwing out any of the things that you've always done in your routine. And then another thing is, yeah, making sure that you're setting really good boundaries. You're open and honest about what you feel and, and what you want. And you are catching yourself. If you're self-abandoning, catch yourself in the moment. Are, when you're around this person, do you feel like yourself or do you feel like, oh, I'm showing up in a way where I'm trying to get them to like me, right? Mm -hmm. I always say in the best relationship, you feel like you're becoming more of who you really are instead of less. I love, I love that. that. Me too. Dr. Morgan, this was so helpful. If people want to take the quiz and follow you, where can they do that? Yes, I hang out on Instagram at Dr. Morgan Coaching. So DR Morgan Coaching. And then, gosh, the best way to learn more about attachment theory would be my podcast, Let's Get Vulnerable, uh, with over 400 episodes going into all things attachment theory related. Amazing. Thank you so much. We are about to have some secure, beautiful, confident bitches out here. Yeah, I'm going to be secure, okay? Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Morgan. In next week's episode, we are going to conclude our month of love by doing a relationship and love ask away. So if you have any questions for us, we will link the form to submit your questions in the show notes of this episode. So please leave them there. Bye.